Well, uh, my friends, both here and elsewhere, um, they tend to joke with me about my uh, seeming inability to do anything uh, outside the perimeter. This is sort of a joke about, uh, you know, going ITP versus OTP. Uh, can you breathe out here, Derek? Is this okay? Uh, do you mind meeting at the Big Chicken uh, or something like that? I don't know if you're familiar. I grew up just barely inside the perimeter. Uh, we grew up in Decatur um, and literally 285. You walked out of our home. There was a street and across the street was a house, and behind that house was the big metal wall uh, hidden by trees, and on the other side of the metal wall was 285, uh, so just barely. I'd bring friends home from college, and they, we would get out of the car when we arrived, and they would say, what is that sound? And I would say, that's the ocean. high tide right now. <laughs> but yeah, people joke with me about uh, leaving um, the city for the suburbs. Uh, do you need oxygen? You know, funny questions like that. My son, his freshman year, he went to um, uh, a small liberal arts, Christian liberal arts school uh, in West Point, Georgia, which is about 30, 45 minutes from Auburn. Thank God somebody beat Alabama this year. Um, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think there would be any Georgia fans here today, but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, when he was a student there, he, he grew up here. We'd lived in the same uh, condo for the last almost 15 years, and uh, so most of his life has been spent on Peachtree Road uh, right here in town. And he would say things like um, about living down there. He would say, at night, it's so dark outside, and it's so, like the quietness freaked him out, you know, just like. What is that sound? That's nature, son. That's nature. <laughs> those are birds. Those are crickets uh, and so on. That's someone talking. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it is with me. And when we talk about, when my wife and I talk about retiring to the country, we're, we're mostly talking about North Brookhaven. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Anybody with me on that? That is my wilderness. Um, what is your wilderness. I mean, all kidding aside, we've all been in a wilderness before. Those places and seasons and situations um, when we felt the absence of stability, of uh, familiarity, and even of safety, perhaps. What has that been for you? What is your wilderness experience Wilderness is not a place of rest or retreat sometimes, uh, but places where we want to escape from. And so the question again is, what has that been for you? Has it been depression? Uh, that's quite a wilderness, uh, one that is seemingly impossible to escape. Maybe you have grown, uh, as you've gotten older, angrier. I was telling my therapist a few months ago, um, I was like, yeah, I think he was, he was asking about my job and people and older people versus younger people. And I said, people tend to get old in two ways, primarily. They either become more 
gracious and loving and the margins get wider, or it's the opposite. They get angrier and angrier and angrier. Maybe that's your wilderness. You can't seem to get out of that sense of hatred and anger. Or failures, um, sometimes, and you might define your life this way, it's just, it feels like one failure after another. Can anybody relate to that? I know you don't want to admit that. Yes, that's me. I fail at everything. Derek, thanks for bringing that up. But you may be familiar with that. You may be a person of fear, uh, and that's crippling, and it feels like you can't escape from that. Or loss. Uh, You've lost people. You've lost friendships. You've lost jobs. Um, We've had people in this church through the years that just a chronic sense of losing jobs. And it's a wilderness. It can be tough. Um, Or maybe even a loss of faith. I think faith sometimes is a big, huge wilderness, if we're honest. Uh, And that can be a place... um, that can be hard and we want to escape from. We want to find respite from that kind of thing. It can be really quiet, as my son says, and dark in those wilderness places because the wilderness is a place of waiting, of wanting. We don't want to be there. We would rather be uh, somewhere else because when you're in the wilderness, it's just you and your problems. It's just you and yourself. And there's nothing for many of us more terrifying than being alone with ourselves. Uh, I was setting up the tent this morning, and um, my phone buzzed. It was like one of those notifications. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of these. But uh, I looked at it, because I have an you know, people text, I can't make it or whatever. Um, and I looked at it, and it's like, your phone usage was up 15% this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's been a rough, you know, I don't want to be alone with myself. So I just want to be alone with you guys. So I'm just looking at all your stuff. Um, But maybe that's, you know, that's the way it is. It's hard to sit honestly with ourselves in those places and take in our own uh, situation. That can be hard. What is your wilderness? Luke says, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Let's say that word together, wilderness wilderness. This is where Luke says the word of God came forth. Now, when Luke says wilderness, there's two things going on. The first thing is that it's an actual place. As Liz was reading the text, you saw that this person, John the Baptist, not a denomination. He's not that. This is a nickname given to him because of his propensity to baptize people. He is known as the baptizer, the immerser, that Nacho Libre scene where he's dunking his friend in the bucket. That's what I picture. Um, Thank you. I'm here all season. Um, But it is an actual place. The Jordan, the region of the Jordan is a wilderness, and uh, it's no vacation spot. And so when Luke says that John came from the wilderness, he's living and working and prophesying and preaching in the wilderness, it's an actual place. It's, it's a place in the first century, again, that is no vacation spot. It is a place for outcasts. It is a place of wanderers. It is a place for the forgotten, the diseased, and the criminal. The wilderness is not a place 
that you want to be. No one in ancient Jerusalem said to their partner, hey, what do you say uh, we find a nice place in the wilderness, just you and the kids? They would never say that. It's not a place that you wanted to end up in any way, shape, or form. So the first thing Luke means is an actual place. But there's something else going on, too. This word wilderness in the biblical story is all throughout, and it's almost always associated with the number 40 as well. Uh, And these two images, these two things, uh, represent uh, more of a state of being, a condition of sorts. The wilderness in the biblical storyline is a place of resistance. It's a place of fear. It's a place of doubt. It's a place where faith was tested. In Israel's story, it's a place where Israel is tested and refined. Think Jesus praying in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days. These two terms, these, this number and this word wilderness tend to go together. And it is a place of uh, change, of stretching. It's a difficult place. And so to say you're in the wilderness, it's a wilderness experience, I think we all know what that means. And Luke tells us that it was in that place, in that condition, that the word of God was spoken. Now, there's a nice move that Luke makes in the text. If you look back at the very beginning of chapter 3, he lists all of these names of both political and religious leaders. We have Tiberius Caesar, we have Pontius Pilate, we have all of these names of people who are politically powerful. There's a sense of power. Then we have Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, who are kind of in bed with the political leaders as well. And so this list of people that Luke gives serves a couple of purposes. One is that it situates the story of John the Baptist within a historical context. We can date this with these names. But it's also a move, it's a, it's, a, it's a subversive move of sorts too, because these people, these, these names in the list represent the divine presence over the region, both religiously and politically. And Luke lists them all and then says, but the word of the God, the word of God came to John, not from these people, not from the cities, but from the wilderness that the word of God was spoken not in the places of power, but in the place of weakness, in the place of the desert, a desolate place. And Luke says, he ties John the Baptist to the prophet Isaiah, saying, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This is where we begin to get a taste of who John is. This sermon is part one. Next week is part two. We really get a chance to see how wild this man is. But right now, it's kind of easy to listen to. Uh, so make sure you come back next week because it gets, it gets crazy. Um, but here, he ties John's work and John's life to the prophet Isaiah, quoting the prophet, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, the wilderness can be very hard on our faith. But if we listen in those seasons, the voice of the Lord can be heard. Um, 
I tend to think of matters of faith and spirituality uh, more and more as our culture develops are things that are for those without options. What I've noticed in my own life and the lives of just the people that I work with and serve is that when there are more options to give myself to, the less and less attentive I am to the matters of the soul. And so faith, church even, becomes a place in certain seasons in our lives, a place for when we are out of options. When things are broken, when I've lost things, when there's hurt, when there's pain, these are now, uh, they, they, they quite define our engagement with matters of faith and spirit and soul and community. But as long as I have things to lean on that aren't this, then I'll do that until maybe they run out. This isn't the case for everyone, but it does seem to be a pattern um, in, uh, in human spiritual realms. It, it, is a, it is a thing, these are things for people who have run out of options, which is a very wilderness kind of idea. And the wilderness can be very hard on our faith. But again, if we listen, the voice of God can be heard in, that, in those places. It is in the wilderness that God tends to speak most clearly to us. He can be drowned out by all of the other activities that we give ourselves to to keep us occupied in our minds and in our spirits. But it is when there is a vacuum and when there are great existential questions and when we are afraid, that is the time when the prophet is saying to us, listen, the voice of God is coming to you. In the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so as we gather today in this place on the second Sunday of the Advent season, we are reminded that Advent is a voice. And here on this second Sunday of that season, we are reminded that God comes to us in our most desperate and desolate places and those states that we are in. He comes to us, and we are pushed to be awake to his presence. This is what John is doing. Wake up. God is speaking, and sometimes it can be hard, and he says, prepare the way for God in your life. We've lived in the same condominium for nearly 15 years. Uh, It's like a 1,000 square feet. There's a dog and two kids and me and Mickey. And you know how it is when you live in one place for a long time. It gets smaller and smaller. Are you with me? And smaller until you look around and go, I hate this place. Let's move, you know. And what I have learned, it doesn't matter what size place you live in, if there's kids living in your home, if there's people in there, you're always in some way making room. You're always doing it. When we clean, when we reorganize, when we move things around, we're just preparing and making room for those who live in the home. 
preparation for the coming of the Lord is not a one-time thing. We are constantly preparing ourselves for God's residency in us, always. We always have to keep moving the furniture of our hearts and minds around so that God can sit at our table. Does that make sense? Always. The voice of the Lord must be heard, but we prepare a place for him at the table of our lives. And we do that constantly so that we are always making room for him to prepare the way for God, to make room for him in what can so often be a very overcrowded existence. And so those are the words of John to us today uh, as we continue to walk through this season together, to listen in whatever wilderness you are in, to listen. God may be trying to say something to you, encouraging and hopeful and something that would bring peace and salvation and rest. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. See what the Lord has done. Sister Dowd, get worried. Sister Dowd, get worried. Sister Dowd, get worried. For the work is almost done. Right out, dog. Get worried. Right out, dog.